0: Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series.
1: Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without
0: Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery.
1: But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine.
0: I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. But, uh, I was definitely not intentional. I was stuck rope in my family.
2: But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill, he had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game
0: and i tell him what is going on with me and he's like oh okay and i'm like no 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 i think this is like some sort of miracle dude and he's like okay you know of course but i'll believe it when i see it honey you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that and i'm
1: you know he his big line to me is you shouldn't say things (laughs) because i never follow through on them and so this was Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this.
2: As we are called to sing, all of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, Often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for. Through the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide,
0: what are you gonna participate in? Are you gonna participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice which
1: is in the Eucharist, or not.
2: And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I'm Bill Snyder. It's great to be with with you, and happy new year, uh, as this is our first show of 2021. I can't believe I'm saying that, but here we are in 2021, and we are uh, back and better than ever, as Mike and Mike used to say. So um, welcome to the program, as always, my co-host, Ann DeSantis. How are you? And happy new year to you.
1: Oh, I'm doing great. Happy New Year, Bill.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's, an exciting, um, it's an exciting new year, exciting new time, right? 2021 uh, is yes. going to be great.
1: And we've been almost been in, in quote-unquote business here <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. Sewing Hope coming up a year. I, I think know. it's in March, so yeah. uh, that's an amazing anniversary for us, as I think we're on already episode 80 something, aren't we? Uh,
2: this is 93,
1: 93. Oh, wow. So seven
2: more. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? Uh, But anyway, uh, we have a great guest, I know, uh, for today's show. And why don't you tell us about him?
1: Yes, I'm very excited to have with us Mike Shaughnessy. He is a leader in the Servants of the Word, it's an ecumenical religious order of men who live the vows of celibacy, simplicity, and obedience. He's been doing Christian youth work since he was 19 as and was one of the first catholics to work as an area director for young life based in in avon minnesota he's done youth work in minnesota michigan the uk london and belfast he writes monthly newsletters on cult youth culture uh, that's with kairos.org and youth culture news and is the founder of Grandly.org. i know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Grandly. Uh, Grandley equips grandparents to be missionaries to their own grandchildren, and this is summarized in the book that he authored called The Strategic Grandparent. As a hobby, he writes novels, and two of them are The Archangel of Westminster and The Red Madonna. Uh, The website link is Grandly.org. So that's his wonderful bio, and Mike, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing?
0: Thank you, Ann. I'm doing fine. Yes. I'm, I'm happy to be in 2021 also. It was one of those uh, things at the end of uh, last year. I said, I'm going to stay up just to make sure 2020 really goes away.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think we all did.
1: <laughs> Let's hope it it lives up to uh, the expectations, right? That yes. 2021 does. Yes. Yes. So, you are doing some amazing work, and you got involved in uh, ministry for you know quite a long time ago. Um, so let's start out with uh, looking at your bio that you were uh, you're a leader of the servants of the Word. Uh, can you please tell us about that?
0: Sure, I can. Um, <clears throat> I was like most young men thinking I would uh, grow up, get a job, get married, et cetera. And do all those wonderful uh, things that are part of one's normal life. Uh, As a good Catholic kid, I thought about the priesthood and I considered it. But I was more interested in the evangelistic and pastoral elements of the church. than uh, Not not that I wasn't interested in the sacramental. But that wasn't where I found my primary motivation. My motivation was much more uh, uh, out on the street working with people directly. Um, And uh, so I looked at the priesthood and then decided, no, I don't think that's what my call is. And then I ran into a set of young men. We were all in our 20s at the time uh, who said uh, who were saying we want to serve the word of God. We want to serve the gospel. We want to serve Jesus Christ as Lord with our lives. And we're ready to forego marriage in order to do that. And it was such a. fine set of men and radical ideal that I, I looked at that and I said, you know, I think this is my call. Uh, so that was how I got in, involved with them. And it was an extension, in fact, because of what I had been doing, because by that time, I had already done um, I would graduated from college had done uh, five years worth of uh, youth work front with high school and then with university age students. And that was the main ministry. the servants of the word at that time for younger men especially was just simply um, bringing the gospel message to young people wow so that's how that's why i ended up saying yeah i want to do this and Mm -hmm. i did that for uh i moved to uh, from minnesota to ann arbor uh worked there for six years and then spent 15 years in europe and then moved back here
2: so wow what a great journey (laughs) that's a great great journey uh, and yeah tell us some of the uh, great stories that you have from working with youth I mean you know I think a lot of times out there uh, in, in in the world today we see you know a youth culture that is just so um, difficult to navigate right It's just really hard to navigate. I was a high school youth minister for many years uh, about 10 years and uh, I saw I, I got a chance to see a lot and man it, it got increasingly more and more difficult to navigate that um, that culture uh, I mean maybe because I was getting older too but um, but talk to us about some of the things young people were hungry for or young people are hungry for because I think it'll tie into your in, into your mission of um, you know grandly as well but just talk to us a little bit about what what you were seeing um, in in the youth culture.
0: Yeah, exactly. It does tie all the way back. In fact, um, I got into it because of my own experience of uh, a profound conversion, uh, reading a booklet, uh, and giving my life to the Lord and saying, "Okay, this is what I need to do," um, uh, and and have Christ as King of my life. Uh, and it really changed me. You know, I had been a good kid gone to church done all the right stuff you know if you have a tick the tick the boxes chart for you know your good uh, church going kid man i ticked every single one of them you know i was one of those ones that a lot of people would have said well why why does he need any kind of conversion experience he's doing this but I had that experience, and I said, you know, I want to pass on my faith to uh, young people. I, I uh, so I volunteered first, and then my my first years as a volunteer while I was at university were uh, oh so so. Let's put it that way. I mean, some very good relationships with some really fine kids. I still know some of them today, um, and and saw real changes in their lives. Um, uh, but then I started thinking, yeah, but do I really want to do this full time? Because this is this would be your career if you go into this. You know, I thought, well, maybe I'll just do it for a while, but this would be your career. So uh, I thought, mm. and I was kind of backing off of it when a friend of mine gave a phone call. This is where it's tell you a story. A friend of mine gave me a, a phone call and said, I've got 30 kids who need to go on a retreat. Uh, I know you do retreats. Do you have any coming up? And I said, yeah, I actually have one for about 30 kids. 60 together would be a great number. Um, It was a retreat for this Avon, Minnesota youth parish, our our youth choir in their parish. So we went away and basically, again, presented the gospel message about our need for Christ, our, our own sinfulness, our own difficulties, et cetera, et cetera, and eternal life preached the gospel and all 30 of these kids had this powerful experience of the Lord. Came back and uh, this was March of my senior year and I was thinking, okay, I'll just go home and work for my dad. These kids all came up to me and said, hey, can we hire you as a youth minister? And I said, you're high school kids, come on. <laughs> and they said, no, we mean our parents. Can we get our parents to hire you as a youth minister? Anyway, I basically got headhunted by these 30 kids. Uh, and seeing uh, kind of like an open field for doing it—that's one of the reasons why I got into it. So I got into it because of all sorts of the good things that typically happen to youth uh, workers, who say, "Yeah, I want to see kids' lives impacted the way mine was." Yeah. The challenges—and I can I relate to those very clearly because of of again, I, I this I write this newsletter, monthly newsletter on youth culture and. Youth culture has changed over the last 40 to 50 years. On most counts, it's gotten darker. It's become a harder place to work, not an easier place to work. The challenges that youth face today are deeper and stronger than they were before. Um, So even at that point in time, one of the key things that I saw was we were effective at bringing young people to deeper conversion to the Lord, some personal relationship, some uh, basic discipleship in terms of how they live their lives, uh, going to church, doing all the right things, being better people, um, growth in doctrine, doing Bible studies, etc. But then what I found was, after they graduated and went off to college, there's a big drop-off rate. Um, the number of kids who you come back three months or nine months later and you say, "How's your how's your spiritual life doing?" They go, "Well." Uh, And I saw that over the four years, each graduating class, I think, oh, my goodness. So that was where I first concluded that what I was doing wasn't going to be quite enough. And that's why I said, you know, you got to connect youth work and university work together. So you have a transition from one that makes sure they land in the other. You know, it's a bit like I threw the ball. That's what you asked me to do. You didn't catch it. It's not my fault. You got, wait, if you're playing catch, it's still partly your fault. You got to, got to throw it to the guy who's going to get it. it. So anyway, uh, that was one of the first insights was seeing, hmm, I don't think we've got a very thorough concept here. And that's where I started working on something called the youth bridge. Uh, The idea that you want to have uh, people in place all the way from junior high, all the way till 30 People have to be nurtured every step of the way of their faith. And if you just do it for a certain part and then you drop them and hope somebody else picks them up, uh, it doesn't usually work that way. It's a bit like a family where, you know, mom says, I'll cook for them, uh, you know, half of the days of the week and you cook for them the other half. And you go, oh, right. Oh, I didn't know you were going to be in New York the last half of the week. Yeah, the kids starved to death while you were gone. It's not quite that bad, but you get the idea. Um so there's a, there's a fundamental underlying issue that I think that's uh, there. Uh, the good parts of it is there is still a hunger in young people. Uh, it's just a natural hunger that happens, especially in their teens, to say, what am I living for? Why am I alive? Is there something more? And being able to answer those questions still is really, really the important foundation that youth work uh, lays. You have to build on that foundation. However, to get an adult Christian, you can't stop just with a nicely converted junior in high school.
2: Yeah, totally agree. That's the, what a great what a great um, way that you have constructed your not only your faith life but really helped other people construct theirs. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and well thought out and just so I am I'm so impressed. Uh, so so thank you so much for the work you're doing because because I. I know you've changed a lot more than just 30 kids lives on a, <laughs> on a retreat. So, so, so thank you so much for all your great work.
1: Yeah. I echo the same. And I love what you said about how, you know, they're being developed in those teen years and preteen years, and it can't just drop off at like right at college time or after college, taking them through into their uh, early, like to the age of 30, I think is just a wonderful idea and how you came up with the idea of holding on to uh, those relationships so that they can be fostered. Because you're as you said, there's a hunger, right? They have that hunger to want to have faith and develop their faith life and know more about the church. So uh, I'm glad that you were involved in that, in that ministry. Mm-hmm. And then it, it finally led you now on the other side of the spectrum, right, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to the, your work with grandly.org. And that, as I said during the bio, that Grandly equi- equips grandparents to be missionaries to their own grandchildren. And you said it's summarized in the book that you authored called The Strategic Grandparents. So tell us more about Grandly and about your book.
0: Sure. So uh, I've always been looking for what's the full formula look like for youth work. And so uh, the parents have to be involved. You can't just be the Lone Ranger working out there on your own. You have to plug them into living relationships with with peers. And that peer group will change over time as they go from high school to college to post college. Do they continue to have that peer support system? Do they have the family support system? Do they have the church support system? Do they have all those support systems in place and uh, So, I've always worked wherever I've done, gone on saying you have to have the whole program, not just a good retreat, not just a good mission trip. A good mission trip is great, don't get me wrong. But if it's not part of a whole strategy, it's going to only get, uh, it's going to look like it gets 80 things done, and it's going to actually probably get about 40. Um, so I had been doing this I came back to the us I was continuing to work on these and I, I play uh, golf as as one of the ways of staying sane and uh, I have a friend who's who's now 85 still plays delightful delightful man named Bill Navarre and probably 15 years ago uh, we were out uh, playing golf and one day we're walking from the green to the tee, and uh, uh Bill says to me, you know, I've got my grandson who is 15. I think he's just right at the right age to go on a mission trip or a retreat. Do You have one I could send him on. And so I said, sure, have him come to this and do this. He did really well and uh, it made a big impact on his life, et cetera, et cetera. So, Bill kept asking me about what he could do for his grandkids. I've got a nine year old. I've got a 14 year old. I got a 21 year old. I got an 18 year old. And every time it was, could I do this? You got any thoughts about this? And then he'd start coming home and saying, you know, I was in the thrift store the other day and I found a a, uh, children's Bible on CD and I I bought it for my uh, youngest grandchild who's now nine and he gets driven to school by his mother every day. And they listen to the Bible stories, and it's really having a big impact. I'm listening to this guy and I'm going, this guy's good. Uh, he should be a youth worker. And I thought, wait a minute, I think he is a youth worker. I just don't think of, him of, of I don't think of him as a youth worker, but I actually think he's a youth worker. Uh, and uh, shortly thereafter, I played golf with another friend, typical grandfather. On the way home, he, he said, hey, Mike, remind me to stop off at the pharmacy. I need to pick up a birthday card. Our granddaughter's turning 13. We'll probably give her $20 instead of 10 hmm. And I thought, I know this guy loves his granddaughter. But that's as far as he goes about thinking in terms of passing on his faith. He's doing basically what his own grandfather did, which was not much of anything um he hasn't he hasn't seen oh wow i could do this i could do this i could do this so that kind of spurred this idea that maybe i ought to figure out a way to get grandparents aware of the mission that they could have to their own grandchildren uh and and various phrases started popping into my head and i think oh yeah that's good we should do that we should do this but i didn't have anybody to do it um so i didn't take it anywhere and then uh, I was in uh, Costa Rica at a youth conference conference giving a talk on being bold and daring and do things that nobody's ever done before and all this other kind of thing. And a young uh, woman she would just graduated she graduated from university in industrial engineering two years previous. I saw her I'd seen, seen her six years before, and I said, uh, "Hey, let's get together for lunch and just catch up." So she was telling me, she did this and this and this and this. And I said, but you always had this zeal to be involved in youth ministry. But uh, yeah, I've I've done stuff. I mean, I've participated, I've volunteered, et cetera, et cetera, but nothing's really captured my attention. Do you have anything you're doing that's new or interesting? And I said, well, I would like to get grandparents being missionaries to their own grandkids. I'd like to train 10,000 grandparents to be youth workers. And she said, that is interesting. Tell me more. So I told her a little bit more and she says, I really like this idea. And I said, uh, her name is Pili after Maria Del Pilar, uh, common Spanish name. I said, Pili, can I turn this in from lunch into your first job interview? Uh, and, And she was 24 at the time, living in Mexico, English, not her native language. And it was just like one of these things you go, this is the right person. Now's the right time to do this ask her if she wants to be the first director of Grandly. So we started off with a 24 year old single woman and a, um, a single male, a part of a religious order in his 60s starting a club for grandparents. But so there's all sorts of funny stories about it that you go, oh, okay, that that's that's interesting. But the idea that grandparents could play a role in their own grandchildren's lives became more and more clear to us. And we started giving some seminars And one of the phrases that we most commonly use is, what if the most important thing you will ever do in your life is still in front of you at 70 years old? Most people who are 70 years old do not think the most important thing they will ever do in their life could possibly still be in front of them, but it could. Uh, And in fact, of all the things that they have in front of them when they're 70, one of the most important things they can do for sure is pass on their faith to their grandchildren. Are you equipped to do that? And most grandparents say, no, the world today, it's such a crazy place, I don't know. You know, they're into this, and I don't understand this, and I don't understand that, and oh, I just don't. And you go, they're they're, they're despairing, they're they're lacking in hope. So that kind of got us on the, how are we gonna present this message to a, uh, a different generation of youth workers?
1: I'm just, I'm in awe. Honestly, because I'm kind of in that middle stage myself. Um, I'm not a grandparent yet, but my daughters are in their twenties, and I know that you know it comes fast, doesn't it? And I mean, mm-hmm. between the, the your fifties uh, into into uh, becoming grandparents at some point, and and I also have talked to many people who are in that grandparent age range. Uh, being involved in Catholic ministry who are, as you said, very concerned about uh, what's going on in our culture and not feeling equipped to minister to their grandchildren, let alone their own kids too. I mean, Mm -hmm. so you hear that so much. And I think that you have an antidote for that. And, And so... Take us on the journey since it has began at the time that you just described. What's going on now? What has been uh, the process of how it's developed and how you're getting the word out about this wonderful ministry?
0: So at, at the beginning, what we thought we would do is just do this digitally. We would write articles, a little blog space, et cetera, and have it go that way. And it started off good. And we came up, I think, with a very easy to access and easy to understand websites so you come to the website and get asked do you want help or do you want to give it take your pick and so you're always faced with very simple choices but in each of those we would have either a youth worker talking about what does it what's going on inside of a 13 year old's head you know what about this latest pop song I've heard what does it mean and should I be concerned Uh, all these kinds of youth ministry kinds of things what do you do when a teenage granddaughter comes up to you and says, grandma, can I tell you something? Promise you won't tell mom and dad. You go, how are you supposed to handle that? So a bunch of it is that youth ministry side of it. And then another side of it is grandparents saying, I am finally understanding what it means to be strategic. We needed to get our walk built down to the river where we were going to set up a a, a, uh, kind of a picnic area. And so we were going to hire somebody to do it. And then we got this great idea. Why don't we have our teenage sons do this under the direction of one of our son-in-law? And we can have a party and we can pray beforehand and we can have good food. They can invite their friends. We can testify, give our own stories, et cetera, et cetera, and still have this picnic area and probably for a lot less money. So it was that it's that kind of thing that got us going with what do you do you know one grandmother says i have granddaughter overnights you know i've got 20 grandchildren within 20 miles of I me, mean, all girls 20 girls he's got boys as well says, so i have them come over and they're aged 3 to 16 and i build a little community culture of my grandchildren where they love one another and serve one another uh, but i intend to do that and it really makes a difference so just little stories like that was the way it all started The key things that I think happened for us was we realized when we started, when we spoke to people, people didn't happen on the screen or on paper. So we started running these seminars where we were able to say, what if the most important thing that will ever happen in your life is about to happen right now? And that is you choosing to be a missionary and grandkids. That's a kind of conversion experience that happens in a way that that paragraph in a book doesn't carry nearly the same weight as it does when you're in a room full of other grandparents who are all in that same place saying, boy, you know, my number one concern is my grandkids, but I don't know what to do about it. And you start saying, well, the first thing you have to do is say, I'm not going to let my hopelessness, I'm not going to let the condition of the world, I'm not going to let the bad guys win, so to speak, I'm in this fight. When, you, when we present that and you see the conversion, you just go, that's the big difference right now is we started doing those seminars. Now, then COVID hit. And suddenly you said, putting 70, 70-year-olds in a room across eight-foot tables from each other yelling so they can be heard about their grandkids and what they're going to do about it. That's not going to happen anymore, at least for a good while. So right now we're in the phase of having written the book and having our Uh, basic kind of concepts, all nice and clear. We're, we're shifting over and we'll be, we'll be there. We hope by March or April um, with a, an online webinar uh, that will have a bunch of free stuff. So uh, people can get helps on this and helps on that and helps on this. And then a core uh, webinar itself that goes through our key issues. Like what's the main obstacle that most grandparents face? It's uh, their lack of hope. In fact, it's their demotivation to actually do anything. They're feeling sidelined. They're feeling I don't understand modern kids. All these kinds of things, and say all those things are taking you out of being a missionary and doing the great thing that God's called you to do. So we start with uh, explaining that, then we talk about what if we married youth ministry and grandparenting. What do you bring as a grandparent? And most grandparents, oh, well, I don't have anything to bring. And you say, well, that's because you think because your nine-year-old granddaughter can take a video of you, edit it and post it and knows how to do that. And you can barely remember what's my password to my smartphone and what button do I push in order to talk versus record? You feel like you don't know anything. Um, and, And in fact, there's a lot of technology that you don't know and it's changing fast and that's disempowering for grandparents. But what we say to them is, but you don't recognize what you do have, which is you have wisdom. She may be able to do that video, but she doesn't know why she should make her bed in the morning. She may be able to uh, handle multiple chats all at one time, but um, she doesn't know why truth matters. She knows that she was created to love. Uh, she's mostly trying to deal with her own low self-esteem. You just go, you have wisdom. Wisdom trumps knowledge all the time. You just need to know that you have it. And you have to find out how do I impart that. So we, in this second session, we're mainly talking to grandparents about you bring stuff to the table that you don't know you bring. But one of the things that you bring to the table is, uh, your, your presence, your relationship. You've known these kids forever. Whenever any other adult comes to the house, their mother's and father's house, the dentist, the coach, the teacher, dad's friends, mom's friends, business associates, they're there for mom and dad and they're, they're in a role. The only people who come to your house for you who aren't there with a quote-unquote purpose for being there are grandpa and grandma you are in a relationship already much deeper than any youth worker can be. I mean, relationships being the key to youth work, you already have it. So you've got wisdom, you've got got money. You can also, hey, let's go out for ice cream. And, uh, you know, the simplest strategic parent move in the world. Uh, Invite your grandson or granddaughter to go fishing, take them out for ice cream afterwards, come sit down on a park bench and say, grandson, have I ever told you the time about... And then you give them a tale, a moral tale, a story from your own life where you go, I had to stand up to a bunch of guys that were really not friendly. But this is what I had to do. And it was the first time I felt like, yeah, I'm a man. You tell that story, your grandson's going to go, my grandpa is great. I want to be like him. So it's just saying stuff like that to people and go, oh, I could do that. You go, yeah, of course you could do this. This is not rocket science. But they're all kind of stuck with, it. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, yeah.
1: I have a huge smile because I, first of all, I just commend you for what you're doing. And, uh, and I think the value of grandparents is just more than they can comprehend. Um, You know, I myself had a very uh, deep relationship with my, my mother's mother, my, her husband, my grandfather died when I was three years old, Hmm. but she did and modeled exactly what you said. I mean, all those things now she didn't uh, she didn't drive. So she wasn't able to take me out places, but when I would visit her and when we would spend time together, it was that the stories, I mean, I, I just remember the stories and how they really imparted in me how much she did understand about life and about faith. So, you know, when you have that example, it really stays with you. Mm-hmm. And, and you might even see you're you know, we're on a zoom call right now. Right. And yeah. behind me on, on the wall here, there's a big picture for the people for you and bill. And mm-hmm. that's a, a portrait of her. And yeah. it's, it's still in this room. And it's, it's that little, that presence mm-hmm. and, uh, and that reminder of, of the, the wonderful relationship. So uh, it, it's, it is just so important to get to know grandparents and, and the wisdom, like you said, they have wisdom. And how important is wisdom? I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. well, especially when kids uh, experience its importance and they, then, you know, youth ministry capitalizes on cool, uh, you know, um, Bill would, of course, know and recognize, yeah, to be a good youth worker, you had to know cool, you had to do cool mm-hmm. to be to be good at it. Grandparents don't have to do cool. Grandparents are in some ways cool because they already don't care about all sorts of stuff and there's nothing more cool than feigning You don't care, you know, like I'm too cool for that. Um, So grandparents automatically kind of come in on fairly high on the the cool scale. But it also means that children don't know where to put them. They can't just, you know, that's my coach. That's my employer. That's my uh, buddy. Grandpa and grandma have been there all along and they're sort of mysterious. Mom and dad endorse them, you know, on most things. Uh, And when I don't want to go to mom and dad, I can go to grandpa and grandma. You just see that they're in a role. And then one of the things that happened as time went on is I just started looking around and seeing, oh wow, there's a grandparent there. There's a grandparent there. There's a grandparent there. There's a grandparent there. The obvious one being, uh, you know, uh, Saint Timothy with his grandmother Lois, Paul writes in the scriptures, you know, you are who you are, because you first got your faith from your grandmother Lois, and you go, <laughs> okay, if it can work for one Saint Timothy, how about if we try to raise up a few more like him, from other grandmothers today? It's not impossible. It's been done before. Let's let's get into that game. The the one I found even more interesting was David reading about uh, David, and when you ask anybody about, well, when you think of David, what do you think about, him? you go, well, uh, David and Goliath, you know, the young boy who slays this 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 giant of a man and rescues Israel. You go, okay, yeah, that's good. That's one of them. Another one, you know, the older ones that go, yeah, and Bathsheba, yeah, okay, yeah, not his best moment. Uh, oh, his king, you know, and and, and the, the Messiah is going to be a king like him, and I go, yep, that's good. Anything else? And then some people say, he wrote a bunch of psalms, didn't he? go, yeah, he did write a bunch of psalms. Uh, These are the prayer book of the church today, even. And then you look at Psalm 79. And one of the things he says in Psalm 79 is he's crying out to God. And he says, God, even to old age and gray hairs, do not abandon me until I pass on my faith to the coming generation. And you go, here's Grandpa David (laughs) saying to God, I'm an old man now. What do I want to do? Not conquer more kingdoms not make sure I've got more gold than the next guy, not this, not that, not the other thing. What I wanna do is I wanna talk about God to my grandkids. And so he writes this Psalm that is reflective on, I wanna talk about God, your greatness, your mighty deeds, et cetera, et cetera, so that my grandchildren can hear who you are. And then of course he sings it because he was a singer. You know, he was a, he was a, we'd call him a guitar guitarist today, but you know, think about it, your 72 year old grandpa with a great voice, who's really good on guitar. Uh, who writes these songs about God and ha- ha- you're singing around the campfire with grandpa and his stuff isn't. Yeah. I slew Goliath. I did this. I did this. He says, you know, I got it. I serve a great God. And you go. Uh, that's a real different vision of David than the vast majority of people have. But you look at that and you go, of course, there it is right there. Staring right in your, right in the, you're staring at right, you know, right right yeah. up there. And you go, yeah, this has been around for a long time. It's been a key thing. Or even in Exodus, where the scripture says, um, uh, after they uh, come through the, the uh, Red Sea, the Lord says to them, uh, pass on your chil- your faith to your children's children. Do not let this depart from your mind. You need to do this. And you look at it and go, and they did it. And that's why we still know about the Exodus. And that's why we still celebrate a whole set of things. Because grandparents knew this is the job. And like it. And that's the key thing I think I enjoy most about this is is the fact that you get the youth workers always love doing effective youth worker, youth work, they come back from a retreat and they just you got to peel them off of the walls. They're so happy. Grandparents, when they do something for their own grandkids, they get the exact same thing. And they say, yeah, but this is going to be longer. This is going to be eternal. This is these are my grandkids. (laughs) So
2: it's anyway. Yeah,
1: that's Uh, I just love that. Yeah. I'm thinking of Bill you as well because I told when when you were speaking, I was thinking also of Bill's grandmother. I know uh, she just passed away this past year, and and was also a woman of faith. Uh, and it's it's another example, isn't it, Bill? Oh, absolutely. Really?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And you know, I'm um, yeah yeah. I'm just blown away by by what you're talking with us about, Mike, because uh, you know so many great things. Um, I I remember. Uh, I was going through, it was just a few years ago, actually, um, I was going through a difficult time in my life, and my, my grandmother was my confirmation sponsor, uh, and it, it worked out in a very strange way, because my, my, my grandfather, who was William Snyder Sr., uh, had, had passed away, but prior to him passing away, I had, I had listed him as the sponsor uh, for my confirmation. He had Alzheimer's, and he wasn't really able to, you know function or anything like that. Uh, but I still wanted him to be my sponsor and my grandmother to fill in for him. And so um, so I listed him, and then he passed away and there and you know nobody ever checked, you know that, that he had died. so he's still my my sponsor. Uh, but my grandmother filled in for him, you know, even from you know from heaven. And so uh, I always had a very special relationship with my grandmother because of uh, her being, you know, my confirmation co-sponsor, kind of, with my with my grandfather. And a few years ago, I was going through a really difficult time personally, and I was actually driving on my way to, to my job, and I just called her. I just was like, I need to talk to my grandmother. I need to talk to my confirmation sponsor. And I actually told that to her on the phone. I said, you know, the reason why I'm calling you is because, you know, you were a, you're a, you're a model of faith for me in my life and i just and i just need to talk with you about this i just need you to pray with me and that's what she did and you know and you know at age at age 86 you know what i mean here she was mm-hmm. you know pray, praying with me you know on, on the phone and just and just being there for me uh and you know now since she uh, passed away in april 30th of 2020 uh you know i feel her presence even more so you know in, in different occasions and different places when you're able to just you know, uh, pray to her and ask her for her help. Um, so, so I think, you know, you're spot on with everything you're talking about because, uh, you know, God is, God is so good in giving us role models to follow. And, and I think grandparents grossly underestimate the role that they play. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you know, my grandmother was, you know, so, so awesome in that. But, um, but yeah, it just, just a great, um, just a great, uh, you know, way for, 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 for grandparents to get involved in their children's faith. The other thing I think is that grandparents, you know, certainly they're busy, but, um, but, but a little, uh, they're, they're less busy than the parents. You know what I mean? The parents are, uh, you know, certainly changing more diapers and doing more things and, um, you know, worried about the, you know, the day-to-day activity. Sometimes the parents just get swept up, you know, with, with the day-to-day activity of, of raising the child that they, you know, sometimes forget (laughs) that, you know, okay, here, faith is really important. And, you know, you got to be intentional, you got to slow down and you've got to, you know, think about what's important that's in front of you. And then, and then, you know, grandparents have that role, as you mentioned, where, you know, pace can be a little bit slower. They can, you know, they, you know, they might see you for an extended, you know, vacation, uh, you know, a couple days over Christmas, a couple days over Easter, you know, they, they, they might be, um, you know, live for you around the corner. I mean, I know my grandparents did. They lived with me, you know, they lived right around the corner for me. My grandpa would pick me up from school, my grandmother would come over, uh, you know, and help. And so there's just so many graces and blessings in, in, in what you're talking about, Mike, and I think, uh, you know, people should definitely Uh, you know, connect with this ministrygrandly.org, because I think there's a lot of grandparents out there probably feeling like, oh, how how can I do this better? And uh, and I think you're spot on doing it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would love to know, and Bill, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, because I know that I I just had to mention that about your grandmother, because you have told me stories yourself, and I know that the, that that Mike's presence here on the podcast probably brings that to mind. Oh sure, yes. Um, and Mike, you know, and and when when someone goes onto the website and they're interested in, you know, what can I do? How do I get involved? So t- can you tell us like what would those steps be for people who might be listening and thinking, you know, I want to partake in this. I want to do something with Grandly.
0: Thank you. I love softball questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yes, because that's very important to us. If we're going to get the message out, we need to to be able to to utilize the website. The the thing I said earlier, when you come to the website, you are asked whether you want to give help or get help. Uh, The get help piece mainly leads you to three different things. One is a bunch of articles which you can search on. You can search on 13-year-olds. You can search on the word boys. You can search on Christmas presents. You can search on movies, whatever. And it'll bring up all the articles that deal with those kinds of issues. So you can get stuff um, by just searching the articles for that. So that's one of the the, the three ways that Grandly uh, really does help grandparents directly. Uh, The second one is they can buy the, uh, okay, here they can buy the strategic grandparent. uh, this is, it's about a, it's a four or five hour uh, read. It's full of stories uh, and examples and says a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, and then the third way is what we're now developing uh, which is the, the uh, Grandly webinar. That's gonna be what we major in going forward. Uh, we'll have the, the key webinar that lays the foundation of what does it mean to be a strategic grandparent what does it mean to be uh, uh, have a plan for your grandchildren? Uh, how do you how do you learn how to pray for your grandchildren effectively? Um, how do you use your time? One of our another little throwaway phrases is waste your time on love. Everybody has time to waste. Let's waste it on loving our grandkids. Oh, okay, yes. So it's. Uh, So the webinar is going to be laying down those basic things, helping people understand that. And then there'll be uh, free materials. So uh, if you take the webinar, then you're also able to get the free materials on, uh, here is a prayer list for 13-year-olds. Here's the 15 most important things to pray for for your 13-year-old. Most people, when they think about praying for their 13-year-old, they go, "Uh, Lord, just bless Sarah uh make her happy um well and don't make me as worried as i am about her because i'm really worried about her because she's hanging out with, and then you start the worry train starts going in your head and you've stopped praying and what you've done is you're now in worry mode but actually giving people here are the things that's going on in a girl like sarah's head and these are the kinds of things that she's gonna face and pray for good teachers you know pray for good friends Pray for the right decisions that she's going to be making about what to study and where she's going to go to college. Pray that God leads and guides and directors. Those are effective prayers. You finish praying like that and you go, that was really good. So there'll be free materials (laughs) like that. Um, And then there'll also be uh, secondary uh, webinars. So one of the key ones that we'll have up soon is the history of youth culture. If you ask, when did youth culture start and why? Most people go, um... And we'll take a wild guess at the 20s, uh, the 60s, depending on how old they are and how much history they know. And you go, no, actually it goes back to the 1890s. And there are very clear reasons why that you can date it from this time and because of this cause and this cause and this cause. And this is what got it started and this is how it grew. And then if you go and you jump up to the 60s, you hear what happened in the 60s and why. And there's some very key things. You go, a bunch of it just happened because one thing happened. But the one, two, three things that you need to know are these. And they go, oh, that's insightful. What happened in 2007 that has stamped every kid who is now uh, under 20 years old with the new youth culture? You go, okay, we explain that and why and how you can see it. The simple answer to it is the the um, ubiquity of the tablet, the 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 uh, smartphone they have become screen agers. They spend their entire time, not entire time, but a lot of their time in front of a screen, not with face to face with people anymore. And that all blew up when that happened, you go, that's changing everything. So anyway, we'll have those three methods the come read the articles, get the book and come to the various different kinds of webinars that they could come to helping us. They can help us by a couple of things. One is getting us more interviews like this. This is one way to get the word out. A second one is uh, writing about it in a diocesan newspaper. We give people some ideas about you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. We do need people who can help us with marketing, who have a marketing background, and say, We don't know much about marketing. We're youth workers. We know how to do face to face marketing to kids, and we're good at it. But that's not what we need. We need good marketing to grandparents and ways to to help them uh, make a difference. So there's a lot of stuff, obviously there's praying for us, there's financial giving, all those things are also listed on the webpage to help us be able to accomplish this mission. And I look at it and I say, I think we could be in one of a new missionary moment in the church. If the church needs to pass on faith to the next generation ever, it needs it now. And in the post COVID time, rebuilding the church, is going to be critical. And the people who are most committed to doing it, I think, are the grandparents.
1: Oh, the I agree with fit. you.
0: And I just go, okay, let's mobilize these folks. This could be the most important missionary movement in the history of the church. Let's go for it. You know, we're not done yet, folks. <laughs> yeah,
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And I've had discussions like this, even uh, with the work that I do as a director for foundation, that uh, the, the most committed Catholics, really, I think are are, are baby boomer plus still, mm-hmm. aren't yeah. they? I mean, yeah. when you go to mass, daily mass uh, in the organizations of the church, I mean, they're still the most committed. So, mm-hmm. so so what a great job for them to take that those same missionary skills and use them for their own grandchildren. Yeah. I yeah. think that is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, um, we're not quite finished the podcast. We have a little bit more to talk about. I know that you've also been involved with EWTN And you also write as a hobby and have uh, written some books that you might want to tell us about. So please tell us more about those two aspects of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, EWTN was the first uh, uh, interview format for Grandly. And it it was just a lot of fun like this, you know, because people are saying, how do you do this? And you just start telling the story and people just go, they smile. (laughs) <laughs> because you go, this is just good. This is right. Yeah. So that's that's been very enjoyable. The hobbies. I um, I I, did, I was not a writer uh, when I was young, but then uh, one day it was. Uh, I was praying and I was re- singing. It was uh, it was Good Friday and I was singing the song. Oh Sacred Sacred Head Surrounded, uh, and came to the line, and Angel Hosts Adored Thee and tremble as they gaze. They're, they're gazing at Christ on the cross and I go, why would an angel tremble before the cross of Christ? What's going on? What's the rest of the story? And started thinking about this and I said, I'd like to interview Michael the Archangel I'd like to get his view on the fall of Lucifer. I'd like to see what he says happened really with the Gadarene demoniacs deliverance. I'd like to see what he says about Mary Magdalene. I would like to see his perspective on this. And So I just started meditating on these things and put that together with a true story from our youth work of of the day of a gal uh, who uh, sought to take her own life through uh, drugs and alcohol and the amount she took should have killed her. Uh, she was in a coma for three days on the floor of her bedroom. But the last thing that happened, uh, as she tells the story, she says, the last thing that happened is um, uh, after I took this and I started to go under, I saw the face of the devil and said, help me God. And I woke up three days later going, I think I just got helped by God in whom I do not believe to avoid the work of the devil in whom I do not believe what's going on. Big conversion story, wonderful, wonderful person, et cetera. So I married these two stories up together and said, so how would Michael look at that as well? Um, so that's the story of Michael the Archangel. Uh, it's just an interview like this, a lot of fun. And then, the, uh, but I did that because there was a bunch of books out at that time that were all about uh, devils and its its leathery wings and bulging orange eyes and all that rest of that stuff. And I said, that's not the way it works. Temptation works really different than that. Let's write a story about how temptation really works, what goes on in your head, what goes on in your emotions, how you yield to it, how you shouldn't yield to it, all that kind of stuff. So that was one. And then the other one is um, it's a it follows the, the, the course of uh, a priest's career the first one is the red Madonna. I'm just about done now with the second book, which is the white Judas. And then I have a third in the trilogy and it follows the the, the career of a priest named Michael Riley, who gets accused of abuse and murder in the first book ends up going to Rome in the second one and is realizes that there's some uh, folks in Rome who are trying to control the conclave after the Pope dies and they and from various places he gets this fact and this fact and this fact and this facts and realize what's going on. But he's outside of it. What can he do? Uh, and uh, so it's, yeah, it's interesting stuff. So I just do that for the fun of it. But they're awesome. good reads. I I, I think uh, people who are looking for fiction, they would do a lot worse than to, to, to read those. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Yeah, it sounds so interesting. I'm, I i haven't read them, I'll admit, but you have me really interested to check it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're, I'm sure they're all available on Amazon.
0: Yep, exactly.
2: Yes. Very cool. Well, Mike, this has just been so awesome. I hope to have you back on because you got so many, so much great wisdom, uh, and so much uh, really, really great insight into how uh, people can just live their faith and also, you know, at, at any age, but also pass it on. And I think that that's one of the big things in our society is passing the faith on and we all struggle with it. We all worry about it. We all worry about, uh, you know, what the future is for for our children, for the next generations. And there's there's something very, very, very um, empowering about what you're doing, and I just thank you so much for taking the time to come on and be with us uh, today, and uh, certainly wish you the best of luck for uh grandly and you know you don't need luck you just need a little bit more of the holy spirit i'm sure but um but you know i but i but but i know it's going to fly and fly big because you're doing amazing amazing work thank you thank you appreciate that
1: i second that one thank you mike please do Mm -hmm. come back again
0: good i will gladly this is enjoyable (laughs) i you know you you now know where i have buttons all over and just press any one of them and i'll start talking
2: (laughs) (laughs) no that's so great well Uh, Folks, uh, I do want to encourage you to uh, go over to the website, uh, grandly.org, G-A-R-N-D-L-Y.org, and there's plenty of information there, especially the book, The Strategic Grandparent. Uh, I know I'm going to buy it for my parents because uh, when they become a grandparent here in May, uh, or they're already a grandparent, but they'll become another grandparent through me and my wife, uh, I'll, I'll, I will make sure that I uh, give them a copy of this book. So uh, do, do the same. If you're listening to this, you're a parent, uh, read this book and give it to your, um, give it to your mom or your dad uh, so, that, so that they can you know, impact your, uh, your, your children positively and, and leave a lasting impact about the Catholic faith on their hearts. Uh, certainly an important thing. Again, grandly.org, The Strategic Grandparent is the book. Uh, And uh, Mike Shaughnessy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been just an absolute pleasure again. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, this has been an episode of Sowing Hope. And until next time, from all of us at the St. Raymond and Otis Foundation, Fiat Ministry Network, and Patchwork Art Ministry, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andysantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at Ministry or andesantis 2